and welcome to Analyze This, the self-help podcast that just can't help itself. I'm one of two Hannahs, Hannah Hart, and today I will have the extreme pleasure of interviewing the one and only Fortune Beamster. Yes, guys, we're getting real celebs on this show. It's going to be amazing as we talk about her journey through the coming out process and um, uh, how much she uh, really just admires my work, I'm sure. Um, it's going to be great. Anyway, Enjoy. Fortune. Hannah. Do you predict the future? Do I? I wish. No? With uh, I, I need to come out with my own fortune cookies. Yes. But like give terrible advice. <laughs> or just stuff that like you, you know, you're like, you're probably, here's your fortune cookie. It probably is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it might get better. It might not. It or- could. <laughs> it could get better. Or it could just do joke. Yeah. Joke ones. Because you're a comedian. That's true. But then I have to write a bunch of jokes. Mm. <laughs> but I've never predicted anyone's future. Have you ever done fortune telling? I haven't. I've had it done to me where people like, what do you call it? They read, read your, your palm. palm. But I don't know. At the end of the day, they're just looking at a line in your hand. Mm-hmm. You're like, and I don't want any bad news. No. no, the bad news will come whether whether or not you want it That's there. true. Whether or not the however whatever's on my palm have you ever uh done fortune telling in like a fun internet video no i haven't okay. no one's ever done that what fortune I've, telling with fortune feemster they've done wheel of fortune i have had a wheel on my face but i've never done fortune telling with fortune feemster i don't think oh man that we might have to change our creative concept uh, <laughs> for the video uh but today we're going to talk about one of our one of our shared truths yes yeah and that we're both Fucking homos. Big old gay folks. <laughs> big, big old gays. Big uh, old gay. Big old. That's big what people old call gays. Us. Big old gays. Mm-hmm. They say don't get bogged down <laughs> with those B-O-G. Big old gays. So if you are also a big old gay, uh, drive safely. I assume you're in the car listening. Uh, Fortune, where are you from? I am from Belmont, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Very small town outside of Charlotte. Oh. Like 30 minutes. But it was tiny. Like. When I was growing up, maybe like five or six thousand people. Now it's ten thousand people. Wow, it's getting it's getting big. How many stoplights does your? Uh, have? I mean, there's plenty of stoplights. It's not like r- rural. I can't say that word. Rural, rural. Uh, but it's just small town. Sort of that quintessential. Everybody knows each other. You grew up with everybody. People drive down the street. They wave mm. to strangers. The reason why I ask about that headlight is that one of my friends, uh, Mamrie Hart, no relation, she grew up in Booneville or Bo- Boone? Boone. Boone. Yes, Boone. It's near Asheville. Which one's the smaller one? Uh, Boone. Boone. Yeah. She Asheville's gr- the bigger the bigger or, I mean, area. There's a town called Booneville. Oh, there is a there is a Booneville. I don't know of a Booneville. So maybe that's the one she grew up in. I maybe. always get this wrong. But- Boone is the is a kind of a mountain area. And there's a school, a college there. Oh, okay. So no, that's probably not where she grew up because she's always <laughs> like, there was one stoplight. That's probably Booneville then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what was uh, what was it like growing up in one more time? Belmont, Belmont, North Carolina. <laughs> were there a lot? What was the culture like um, as a as a young gay? As a young gay who didn't know they were gay. Mm. It was a different time. It was, uh, I had a good childhood in that it was safe. Like, no one was, like, worried about, like, people breaking into their house. And there wasn't, like, crime in our town. It was sort of um, almost like a, 
this place doesn't exist in the world now. You know mm. what I mean? That it You would like, ride your bike? Yeah, I would ride my bike places. We played in the woods. You never thought about being kidnapped, any bad <laughs> stuff, you know? Like kidnapping was all the rage in the 80s. And uh <laughs> and but it did not hit our hometown. And so it, there was a innocence to it, you know, where you're just like it felt like you we were not exposed to all the craziness of the world. Like we knew that, you know, there was like a Gulf War or whatever was going on or a hurricane would come through every now and then. But it seemed like uh, in terms of quote unquote exposure to the world, it lands on the side of, well, here's what's going on around here and here's the big news. Exactly. I didn't know I was gay in the sense that uh, there were no out gay people in my hometown. Anyone who... I was like that per if like the we didn't even hear the word gay a lot. People would say queer sometimes, but they meant weird. Mm. The old ladies would be like, "That's so queer," <laughs> and they weren't saying it in a derogatory when? way. That was just like an old timey word for weird. Yeah. So no one really talked about gay people. I mean, on one hand, you have the side of the the safety and that you can mm-hmm. go play in the woods, yeah. which I mean, when <laughs> I drive past some woods, the first thought that goes through my head, I'm like, "There's bodies in there." <laughs> yeah, because growing up like city adjacent, you mm-hmm. think that's all you ever hear about the woods is like this was yeah. discovered thirty miles off the blah 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 trail. Yeah, imagine growing up in San Francisco is a way different experience. Yeah, I grew up outside the city, but that was pretty much. And I grew up in the early nineties, which you know, kidnapping was still big, 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 big. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. Unfortunately, no, not at that point. So I guess that the the two sides to the coin here are that you grow up in this bubble of safety and yeah. bike riding, woodland play, but then also not a lot of exposure to the mm-hmm. varieties of yeah. color and the varieties of life. Were there a lot of like people of color in your hometown? A lot of black people lived in my town, but not a lot of like Asian people, not a lot of Jewish people. I don't know. Like Charlotte was 30 minutes away, but it was almost like it might as well have been three hours away at times. So I definitely didn't know about a lot of cultures. Yeah, because it was a different time. There was no internet. I think the internet has been able to allow people from small towns to see beyond their world. You know, we we had like, what, six channels, you know, back then. And then, then HBO came and we were like, whoa, what is this? Nipples. Yeah. And then as far <laughs> as my own uh, hometown, there were not a lot of different religions. You know, in the South, it's very Christian, very Baptist and did you grow up at Baptist? I grew up a Methodist. Ah. So talk about my special. We were Christian light. Yeah, yeah. So just a little dabble, do ya? <laughs> and that was good for me. I didn't want to go hardcore, you know, because I'm like, I like having a belief in something, mm-hmm. but I didn't need it hit over your head. You, you know? know, I saw when you said a little dabble, do ya? <laughs> I saw just a hint of a Southern Bell. It's in there. It's in it's there. It's in there. Just beneath your surface. Yeah. So I was spend my childhood trying to. You know, be who I I just you kind of are whoever's around you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, luckily, I grew up with very nice people. So I didn't grow up in a part of the world or the country that was closed minded, even though there wasn't a lot of exposure. People weren't mean. It wasn't hateful. No, not hateful at all. So I grew up around very kind people. You know, what's interesting, actually, is that people who grow up in areas of not a lot of diversity I've read this study that was, I didn't read the study. I read the one-liner about the study. Yeah. But it actually says that like less diverse areas have less hate because they're not confronted with it. And so people can grow up to be a little more open-minded. 
know? That's interesting. But then huh. it's like when people are like, no, it's them. They uh-huh. are taking my resources. It creates a, a them. A them versus us kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think for me what it did was it made me want to learn. Like I went to a small college too. I got to study in Mexico for the summer. And for me, that was huge. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm getting to learn a different language and I'm around a different culture. And so it only made that desire get stronger. Yeah. I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to, you know, I got to see the world. I ended up living in Spain for a year after college. It made me curious about L.A., I was just like, what's out there? You know, I want to see it. And I so, want to see the world. Yeah, I want to see the world. And so it gave me that desire. But then once I got here, I could have that appreciation for that small town, for the those kind people. So what did you what did you do in that small town to for entertainment? Were you a book reader? Were you a sports kid? Did it you- was all outside back then. I mean, we had video like Atari and Nintendo and stuff like that, but it was very much play outside sports. It was a big part of my life. Basketball constantly, softball, tennis, soccer, everything. I, my, I had two older brothers, so it was always rough and tumble. And it was me and like 10 guys. And I was always getting beat up. <laughs> they I wanted to be tough. They didn't you know? want to, you didn't want them to treat you like a little lady. No, kind of not stuff. at all. I wanted to be one of the dudes. Well, you did mention earlier, though, that there was another, not form of entertainment, but there was another uh, club that you were part of, like Cotillion. Oh, Cotillion. Yes. Well, <laughs> can, that- you, can you sum up the word? Or can you sum up what Cotillion is? For those that don't know, mm-hmm. I think it's like when you're 12 or 10 to 12. I don't, I don't remember the age group, but. I think it's big in the South. I'm not sure. I've heard of there it. Other there were pla- some yeah, kids, other yeah. places. The same kind of kids that studied swing dancing usually went to Cotillion. <laughs> swing dancing. At least in my school. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, for us, it was it's like a, a societal thing. Like we're going to teach our kids manners and they're going to learn how to open a door for the late. You know, the boys mm-hmm. are going to learn how to open the doors for the lady. The girls are going to learn how to use a napkin and then they teach you dances. So during that, like honestly, like a very gendered experience. Yes. How was that? Did you, was that comfortable? I mean, I was having to wear dresses, which was never comfortable. So, I mean, cotillion and church were always like, ugh, here comes a dress. I got to put on another dress. Here's my question, actually, that just popped in my head. Can yeah. you, you can, can you walk in heels? Not well. Not well? I'm very tall. Oh. And, and I have a, and I'm a, a big girl. So <laughs> there's a lot weighing on these tiny hills not designed for these little points <laughs> can you walk in heels i can but it's because of church stuff mm. you know being like going to church and just uh even back in the day i was in flats i mean i i, I yeah it's not, not pleasant <laughs> to think about i have in comedy had to dress like a straight lady a lot doesn't it feel like drag it does feel like <laughs> drag and i've had to wear heels and i'll always sit down in between takes Oh, my God. Like, how do you guys do this? Oh, my God. Do you ever wear, like, uh, when I was first trying to figure out what feeling cute could possibly mean, Mm -hmm. and I was still in the closet at the time, I would be like, I guess it's a V-neck. Oh, I guess it's a scoop neck. Oh, and I was like, I, the thought of wearing anything that wasn't like a crew neck Mm -hmm. just made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, showing any skin. At all. was weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I look back to that time and I had a lot of good friends who were girls. I was never like an outcast. I was always friends with everybody. Thankfully, like I didn't get picked on a lot. I think because I learned to make people laugh, people wanted me around and I was kind of the fun one. And that my personality is what got me through those times of just not knowing who I was. It's and, such a blessing. Oh, I know, right? I feel the same way. I was <laughs> yeah. a class clown my whole life. You have to find a way 
to find your place, you know, and some people don't and that and that's hard for them. And but I never had a rapport with men. I was always like good friends with guys immediately, but there was never a attraction. Chemistry. A chemistry that those pheromones yeah. weren't, they didn't they exist. They weren't jumping from your no. pants to their pants and back. Yeah. <laughs> so I was always, I would meet a guy and we'd immediately like high five. There was never a like, oh, you know. Tiddly hee hee. Yeah. And I wanted their affection because, you know, my, I would see my friends get Valentine's Day presents. and Who doesn't want affection? Yeah, you would think, oh, why don't they like me? And you didn't really know why. Yeah. They just didn't in that way, you know. They wanted to be my friend. And so I didn't really date a lot back then. And I think for gay people, uh, I've talked to a lot of, especially women, they have this thing of like, we were being rejected before we even realized it. You know what I mean? And that really has a an effect on you as a human to spend your entire adolescence rejected can really mess people up. And you can either rise above it or some it sits with a lot of people for a long time, you know. Go go into that a little bit. Like are you talking about from female friends or just there was no reciprocal energy? That I think it's not ever being when you're young and you don't know what it is, you don't know you're gay, not being the object of someone's affection. You're never the person that the guy is saying, uh, you know, here, here's your Valentine's present or you want to go on a date. You want to go to the prom. Uh, so, some gay women have that. They, you know, because they didn't know and uh, who they were at the time. So they had boyfriends. And so that's not everyone's story. But for a lot of gay people, they just didn't date. Yeah. They were sort of asexual in a way. And so you just spend your at that adolescence thinking, well, nobody likes me. Yeah. Or, you just don't know that it's yeah. the wrong gender. Gender, yeah. yeah. I think from uh, my internalized expression of that was I'm incapable of falling in love. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I had boys like me. Mm-hmm. And I had friendships with boys end because of how much they liked me. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I didn't come into college. I just thought I must be, man, I'm fucked up. I right. must be really screwed up in the head because I cannot manifest love back, mm-hmm. you know, and I would try and date and then I would just, ugh, it would feel so weird. Or I thought, oh my God, like, is there something in me that makes me so uncomfortable within my own body? Right. And just all this stuff that when, you know, we call it not knowing you were gay, but really it's not having been taught mm-hmm. about the realities of life right. and the spectrum of life, yeah. not having any references or representation mm-hmm. to point to, to feel that sense of like connectedness. Yeah. Because I think if I had grown up in a time where there was YouTube or, you know, some as a kid had access to go on a computer, type in, you know, just write the word gay or just be watching something and see a, a gay person, I think it would have been significant for me because I, w- I might have seen a, a young girl wearing umbros, you know, liking soccer, and maybe she has a girlfriend, and I'd be like, whoa. like That's an option? I didn't know that was a possibility, <laughs> yeah. You know what else it makes me feel that way? Uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. I see all of these either quote-unquote masculine presenting or feminine presenting, mm-hmm. or you see this, this whole spectrum of identity now yeah. and gender expression. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about the girl I was growing yeah. up, the young woman I was growing up, and realize that what I had perceived as a disinterest in mm-hmm. fashion or an inability to be pretty yeah. was really just constrained mm-hmm. by the four options mm-hmm. that I had yeah. as a obviously straight young woman, blah, 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 blah. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. When did you first find out about the gay identity? When did you first hear the word lesbian? What was your first exposure to it? 
I honestly don't remember when I even knew what that was. I I mean, obviously I knew what gay was, but anyone I in my hometown that I assumed might be gay was usually married to someone of the opposite sex. And I remember thinking, I wonder why. Like gay men? Yeah. Like there would be a gay man who had a wife and you'd be like, oh, like he seems whatever this gay thing means. I think he might be that. But he has a wife. So there's more confusion around it. It's so funny because I feel like there's a real trend. Men mm-hmm. have to be men. And if they're effeminate at all, growing up, it's like, ooh, that's what gay is. It's right. an effeminate man. Mm-hmm. But women can be strong. Women can be single. Women could be all of these other things. Yeah. And none of it would be equated with being, quote unquote, a lesbian or being mm. gay. It's like, oh, that's her. She's set in her ways. Yeah. You know, that that aunt that just lives by herself with her best friend. Yeah. But I had Well, it no- did turn out that he was gay. I'm sure he was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. he figured it out late, much later. Yeah. But there's no there was really no exposure to mm-hmm. the female, quote yeah. unquote, or like the the lesbian identity. Yeah. So Oh, I do remember when I, I clearly at some point, you know, knew what gay was, but I remember uh, there was a very significant moment that happened my freshman year of college. There was a girl at my, my um, even, even though school. it was a women's college, yeah, all girls school. It was very... Did, um, you, did you guys get, have to wear uniforms? <laughs> we didn't. Damn it. But it was pretty on the conservative side. It was a Presbyterian, which is, again, Christian light. Uh, but most girls were there to meet a guy at NC State. We were like five minutes from their campus. So anyone who... To get there, I heard this the other day, MRS degree? Yes, <laughs> the Mrs. So there weren't any out gay people that I knew of at their school except for one girl. There was one girl who was very blatantly, like, I'm a, very proud. She had just come out. And so she, you know, when some people, when they first come out, they're just like, I'm, they're like yelling it from the rooftop. I'm so, I'm so fucking gay. gay. Yeah. So she was really living in her truth, you know, like, but she, unfortunately for herself, was at not the best place. Was she super liberal, super like? Yeah, just very much like she wore a tuxedo to the school dance and, you know, every, all the girls are like, <gasps> no one's mean to her, but you could tell it just wasn't quite her place. Mm. Like the vibe of the school is not meshing with what where she was at in life. I, I, I never could be that brave to have yeah. been that person. I know. I think about that all the time. I'm like, even if I realized I was earlier on, I don't know if I would have the guts or the courage to be that. And But it's like yeah. literally people like that that directly make our lives possible. Like mm-hmm. the people going out there and, and shouting with the loudest voices. And I remember when I was first coming out really resenting the queer community at my college. I went to a super liberal college, UC Berkeley, and we had mm-hmm. a really strong gay community, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I, was, I was nowhere near it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you... You kind of feel like you're going to be like discovered or what not found out or something. Or even that like for me, I was discovering who I was still and I wasn't ready to be put in another box. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For me, with this watching this girl's journey, I wasn't watching her journey and comparing it to mine in any way. 
But she was getting some flack from a few people, and there was a particular person on staff who was clearly also in the closet, who was in the closet, had her own, you know, homophobia. Oh, yeah. Internalized homophobia. Internalized homophobia is the worst. The most powerful. The most hateful hateful people are usually fucking gay, man. Yeah. (laughs) Every time I see like a Republican senator out there, oh, sorry, I don't want to typecast. JK, I do. <laughs> Spouting off hate. I'm like, man. What? You have to wonder where where did that hate where does that hate come from? Is it internal? Yeah. Well, so this particular person gave her a a really hard time. And I heard her being yelled at one day by this staff person in their office. And I just I think something I didn't realize it, but I think something inside of my head was like, you know, this must be a bad thing. And then I just sort of stuffed that down inside. I was never hateful towards so, anyone. So any part of you, mm-hmm. correct me, from what I'm hearing, it's it sounds like, so any part of you that was like, hmm, it might be nice to wear a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. It was like, no way. No fucking way. Where's that dress? Where's that dress? <laughs> Put me in those, <laughs> those heels. heels. <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at. Yeah. So I just, you just want to, you know, when you're in these smaller towns and smaller colleges, lo- I've had the loveliest experience. I had so many wonderful people. So it's in no way of negative thing towards them it was my own journey and i just wanted to fit in mm-hmm. so i just did what i could to be like everybody else so what happened what changed well i graduated college i moved to spain for a year and it was kind of my year to like not have any expectations on me because i always wanted i was always an overachiever because things at home were a little chaotic and my parents had divorced when i was 12 and it was just home was not the happiest place and so I feel well, like, yeah, you're a stand up comedian. I know, I mean, right? Like, so you assume that comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. So you try to find your validation elsewhere. And I wasn't the affection of men or guys. So the only place I could get a pat on the back was by being good at sports, by being the class president, by making all A's. So I found that validation elsewhere. But with that came a lot of like expectations and being this person trying to be, say the right thing, do the right thing all the time. And so Spain just kind of allowed me to like, Shake not it. have to be anyone. I, I didn't have to achieve anything. I didn't have to define my sexuality. I didn't have to do anything. No one knew who I was. No one cared. It was not as good and bad, but it, it was a year of just being. Mm. And then I sort of felt like I was starting from like a neutral place. And I moved from Spain to LA. I got hired to be a personal assistant to an actress. Oh, joy. She was the commencement speaker at my graduation, weirdly enough. And we hit it off through a series of events. She ended up hiring me (laughs) to be her assistant. So I moved to LA and LA was where it started to, that realization started to bubble up. But it was still two more years before I came out. But I was finally seeing gay people. I was seeing people hold hands. No one cared. No one blinked an eye. And, and it was normal. It was like, oh, this is no, it's normal. Like healthy, healthy, normal. Yeah. Uh, the L word came yeah, out. The weirdly show. enough, you know, uh, again, representation seeing. I mean, I remember watching that show in my bedroom alone, door locked and seeing these like women kiss and literally head exploding. Yeah. Yeah. Head exploding because I had not gotten to see anything like that. And so I think a ser- uh, that just all that just kept bubbling, 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 bubbling until uh, I remember I went to uh, I was turning on the TV. This was back when they would air the the gay 
Pride Parade. They might still do that. Huh. But on like a public access. I don't know how I came across it. But I was like, oh, it's Gay Pride Weekend. And I went down because I was like, I just want to see what it's like. This, I mean, in hindsight, this all feels very naive. But it's just my journey. And and I went down there and I remember getting out of my car. And it was, you know, that Pride Parade is so massive and overwhelming that I literally turned right back around <laughs> and got in my car and went back home. You know, I'm like not ready. That's, uh, that's still my reaction today to most mm-hmm. parades. But I talk about it in the my special, but I ended up saying out loud for the first time that I was gay after I watched a Lifetime movie. Oh. And I hate to tell you that this story is 100% true. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so I can understand going, I can understand uh, the, the Pride Parade and I can understand watching the L Word. I mean, yeah. you know, sexuality is a spectrum. Man. All that makes sense, Everybody, right? Yeah, all that makes sense. But the Lifetime movie <laughs> being the real like, oh my God. The catalyst. I'm yeah. gay. I'm a gay. Uh, what? Tell me, wait, what? Anna, I'm as baffled by this experience as you. Well, clearly- First of all, why were you watching Lifetime? Come on. <laughs> Come on. You got to watch a Lifetime movie every now and then. All the murder that goes on. Um, like I said, it was kind of already bubbling up from right. finally seeing myself out, a version of me out in the world. You know what it feels like? And this is uh, for our, our straight friends or, you know, our questioning friends listening. What it feels like, this bubbling up that mm-hmm. you're describing, at least for me, is putting words to a question you're too afraid to answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's this feeling of a question. Right. But you don't want the question to ever be fully formed, mm-hmm. which is, am I gay? Yeah. And then because the second you think the question, mm-hmm. that means it can have an answer. Right. Yeah, it's true. So I was flipping through the channels. I came upon the Lifetime Network, as you do. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a movie called The Truth About Jane. Some lesbians who know this movie and they're like, oh, my God, same thing. And other people are like, I've never heard of this movie. Soccer Channing was in it. She played the mom. And it was basically a, a girl in high school realized she was a lesbian. And her mom was like not having it. Stalker Channing was like boo, and uh, <laughs> and then this girl's teacher was a lesbian, and she kind of was her like very gay mother mm-hmm. who was like, "It's okay to be gay, like be who you are, love who you want." And then eventually, her mom is like, "Yay, I love you and accept you." And and so I watched this journey of like this sixteen-year-old girl. I, you see the bad parts to the good parts and then the love and acceptance. And I swear to God, I was sitting there and I went, I was by myself. I go, oh my God, I'm gay. I'm gay. <laughs> and, it, and, and then I'm just alone, like looking around like, now what? <laughs> How old were you? 25. 25. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm gay. I'm gay. Truth about jet. Truth about fortune. Truth about fortune. Mm. Oh my God. And from there, you, there's no turning back. Once you admit it to yourself, once you say it out loud, it is, it's scary, but it was the best thing that's ever happened to me, clearly. I will say that your subconscious was protecting you in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The girls' college could have been a form of protection. Yeah. The year in Spain, mm-hmm. you know, recognizing that you had felt shackled or expectations in the past yeah. and kind of releasing them. Moving to a very, very liberal city. Yeah. God bless Hollywood, you know. It's as if you were subconsciously 
creating a safe space. Mm-hmm. And then your conscious mind could walk in. Yeah. Turn on lifetime. <laughs> and it all and just all comes out. Come out. Yeah, I look back. There are times in my life where I go, man, I wish I wish I'd known sooner. I could have dated. I could have done this or that. But my life experience would not have been the same. I don't even know how, like, say I came out at 18. I might have gone to a different college. I might have not ended up in L.A. I might have not realized I was a, a comedian. You know, like, I feel like you just have to, the journey's the journey. And even though I didn't get to experience that stuff younger, it did all, I think, work out, like you said, for a reason. I don't know that I would have it might not have been a great time that my family might not have been able to handle handle it back then. Yeah. Uh, my school, friends, whoever, I was able to come out in a time when I was away, 3,000 miles away from my family. What are they going to do? <laughs> you know, so they so they were just like, we love you. We love you. And they were in a better place. So the timing of it, it, yeah, it was a way of, it all worked out in a way that was right for me. I wish I could sprinkle that like across this whole country and this whole world, because I feel like for people who are still questioning their sexuality, the older you get and the more, you know, I'm fortunate enough to receive letters, emails, or people stopping me on the street Mm -hmm. and telling me things like I'm in my forties and I left my husband and your videos or this discussion is the only thing that helped me get through this. Mm -hmm. And the conservative belief that exposure to a more diverse community Mm -hmm. of sexual and personal identities breeds it. Mm -hmm. But that's really not the case. The case is, is that the rejection and repression breeds a very unhealthy manifestation. And and unhappy people. Mm -hmm. And it's people that are depressed because they're not being able to be their their true selves. People that are in abusive relationships have abusive relationships with themselves. Mm -hmm. People, I mean, there's so many forms of dysfunction that come from repression. Far, far more than acceptance. And I, as a stand-up, travel all over the country. I don't go to gay bars as much because I'm in a relationship. Uh, But I used to, like after shows, go to gay bars. And I would see married men at the gay bars. And they were religious. And they were like, they're like, uh, this is not the case for all Mormons, but it happened to be in Utah. There was a big religious weekend that they were having. And there was this uh, several married men in this gay bar with other men and you're just like i just thought man that sucks that for your wife for you for your kids everybody that you can't just be who you are because of whatever you know belief system says it's wrong it it, because you're not the only one being hurt a lot of people are being hurt and so it's it's better to just get to be yourself in the end and it and and so like the representation does matter. I mean, you've been the representation for so many people. You're the YouTube I know, <laughs> that man. I didn't get to have growing up. You know, you're the person that your videos do make a difference. And I think that so much of the dysfunction we have as a, a society and as a, as a race of human people, we could be so much farther along if we accepted each other for who we are yeah. and the, the broad spectrum of possibility. Oh, for sure. We could, be, we could, you know, I'd like to think of things in terms of Star Trek uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure we'd be pretty great at space travel if we hadn't spent so much time and energy repressing queer people, you know? <laughs> And race yeah. and everything like that too. Yeah, I mean, every anybody that's considered an other, it's like why? Like, just let people be, you yeah, know. Man. And it's 
and, and it would be a much happier place. Speaking of representation, speaking of letting people be, you have your own a fair bit of representation out there. Tell me about this newly released Netflix special. What is the name? Sweet and Salty. Sweet and Salty. Delicious. Yeah. I love it. So <laughs> that's available on Netflix now? It is streaming now, yeah. It came out uh, just recently, and I filmed it in North Carolina because it was really important to me to be this gay, out gay person coming back to my hometown, but being an out person and telling my story. I thought, uh, what a wonderful full circle moment. Because my special is very autobiographical. It starts from the time I was born, takes you through my childhood, doing all the things that I thought I should be doing to high school, to debutante. I was a debutante. I can't believe it. You guys got to watch the special to find you out gotta all about find fortune out. being a debutante. <laughs> I talk about uh, college and like how I didn't know I was gay. I put lotion on a lot of my friends' arms. Uh, you know, oh, man. anything just to touch some skin. There was a moment in high school where my friend, my beautiful, beautiful friend, was putting lip liner on me yeah. and just standing. Just breathing on you Breathing on me just a little bit. <laughs> And God, I was so fucking gay in that, those moments. Yeah. I was just, and I, it was so far from my mind, but I was just like, I remember just thinking like, it felt so safe and good. Yeah. And I just loved it so much. For sure. And now that you can look back at those times, and that's part of the story, the journey in this stand-up special is being like, can you believe it? I talk about the Lifetime movie coming out. I talk about coming out to my brothers and... uh <laughs> I have this one story that was really funny about I, when I came out to my brothers. They were like, duh, of course. <laughs> They've known my entire life. And uh, I go, well. Wait, wait, wait. To hear how this story ends, go watch the special on Netflix. <laughs> I'm going to watch it tonight. Yes. I'm very, very excited to see it. Sweet and salty. Mm -hmm. I have to say that having you here has been nothing but sweet. Oh, you know? well, thank you. Which is a little bit of salt because, you'll frankly, see, I like salt more. You'll see some salty in the special. There's a lot of sweet to it. And I talk about representation and how it's important. And and that's a big theme in my special. And uh, and so I really want, I want everyone to watch it. But I think especially people in, the, in our community, the gay community, it means something to me to have this out on this worldwide platform because I'm getting to be who, exactly who I am and sharing my story. And I say at some point, you know, if you're a little girl in Oklahoma, you know, in sweatpants, <laughs> And a cutoff t-shirt. I see you, you know? <laughs> I see you. And I, and I think that means something, you know? Fortune. So I do hope people watch it. Uh, if you guys want to see more of Fortune, go ahead and check out her Netflix special, Sweet and Salty, available streaming now. And also, if you want to spend more time with Fortune in general, where are you on the internet? How can people find you? I'm on the old Instagram, at uh, Fortune Themester. If you just put in at Fortune, it usually the rest of it comes up. Mm -hmm. I'm on Twitter. I'm going on a huge tour all over the country. Twitter. So go to fortunefeemster.com. What's your Twitter? Oh, Fortune Funny. It's a, I don't know why I didn't just use yeah, my name. I don't know. Fortune Funny is but good. I'm doing tons of, uh, I'm doing a huge tour all over the country. So I'll probably come to your city. So check out my dates. And one time, one more time, what's that URL? Uh, fortunefeemster.com. Fortunefeemster.com. How do you spell Feemster Fortune? F-E-I-M-S-T-E-R. You heard it here <laughs> first, guys. Maybe go out there and find yourself some good fortune uh, your way. I don't know. And thank you for being the representation that all these kids need and uh, for just 
being your wonderful gay self and telling your stories. If I think about that anymore, I will burst into tears. (laughs) So thank you, Fortune. Uh, If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's really, really great. This month is all about love. And next week, we are going to dive deep into the love of family. See you then. Stay tuned. Love you, your buds. Bye. (laughs) 